Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 212. Today, as we continue into the book of Ezekiel, uh, read from Psalm 82 and John chapter 2, we see a theme running throughout of God's righteous anger. This is an anger that God brings against evil, injustice, against things that are wrong and sinful. And as we read about it in Ezekiel, in Psalm 82, and also in John 2, I hope we will understand and see that anger, God's righteous anger, is something we actually need and should want, even though it scares us when we realize that that righteous anger can be and rightly be directed against us apart from Jesus, saving us from the sin that should bring the righteous anger of God on us. And so, with humility, we read from Ezekiel, Psalm 82, and John 2 about righteous anger. Ezekiel chapter 4. And you, son of man, take a brick and set it in front of you. Inscribe a city on it, Jerusalem. Lay siege to it. Build siege works against it. Erect a siege ramp against it. Post soldiers outside it and station battering rams around it. Then for your part, take an iron frying pan and set it up as an iron wall between you and the city. Set your face toward it. It is to be under siege. You are to besiege it. This is a sign for the house of Israel. Just a quick little note here. So what's happening here is God's telling Ezekiel to basically put up a miniature scale model of Jerusalem and how it's going to be attacked by people who are coming to bring judgment against it. And so Ezekiel's playing this out in miniature size for the people to see and recognize God's judgment and warning. Back to Ezekiel 4. Also, for your part, lie on your left side and place the iniquity of the house of Israel on it. For the number of days you lie on your side, you will bear their iniquity. I have determined that the number of years of their iniquity are to be numbered of the days for you, 390 days. So bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. When you have completed these days, then lie down a second time, but on your right side, and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah, 40 days. I have signed one day for each year. You must turn your face toward the siege of Jerusalem with your arm bared and prophesy against it. Look, look here. I will tie up you up with ropes so you cannot turn from one side to the other until you complete the days of your siege. As for you, take wheat, barley, and beans, lentils, millet, and spelt, put them in a single container, and make food from them for yourself. For the same number of days that you lie on your side, 390 days, you will eat it. The food you will eat will be 8 ounces a day by weight, and you must eat it at fixed times. And you must drink water by measure, a pint and a half, You must drink it at fixed times, and you must eat the food as you would a barley cake. You must bake it in front of them over a fire made with dried human excrement. And the Lord said, This is how the people of Israel will eat their unclean food among the nations where I banish them. And I said, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have never been ceremonially defiled before. I have never eaten a carcass or an animal torn by wild beasts for my youth up. Unclean meat has never entered my mouth. So he said to me, All right then, 
I will substitute cow's manure instead of human excrement. You will cook your food over it. Then he said to me, Son of man, I am about to remove the bread supply in Jerusalem. They will eat their bread ration anxiously, and they will drink their water ration in terror, because they will lack bread and water. Each one will be terrified, and they will rot for their iniquity. As for you, son of man, take a sharp sword, and use it as a barber's razor. Shave off some of the hair from your head and your beard. Then take scales and divide up your hair you cut off. Burn a third of it in the fire inside the city when the days of your siege are completed. Take a third and slash it with a sword all around the city. Scatter a third to the wind, and I will unleash a sword behind them. But take a few strands of hair for those, from those and tie them to the ends of your garment. Again, take more of them and throw them into the fire and burn them, burn them up. From there, a fire will spread to the house of Israel. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. This is Jerusalem. I placed her in the center of the nations with countries all around her. Then she defied my regulations and my statutes, becoming more wicked than the nations and the countries around her. Indeed, they have rejected my regulations and they do not follow my statutes. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Because you are more arrogant than the nations around you, you have not followed my statutes and have not carried out my regulations. You have not even carried out the regulations of the nations around you. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I, even I am against you, and I will execute judgment among you while the nations watch. I will do to you what I have never done before and will never do again because of all your abominable practices. Therefore, fathers will eat their sons within you, Jerusalem, and sons will eat their fathers. I will execute judgments on you, and I will scatter any survivors to the winds. Therefore, as surely as I live, says the Sovereign Lord, because you defied, defiled my sanctuary with all your detestable idols and with all your abominable practices, I will withdraw. My eye will not pity you, nor will I spare you. A third of your people will die of plague or be overcome by the famine within you. A third of your people will fall by the sword surrounding you, and a third I will scatter to the winds. I will unleash a sword behind them. Then my anger will be fully vented. I will exhaust my rage on them, and I will be appeased. Then they will know that I, the Lord, have spoken in my jealousy when I have fully vented my rage against them. I will make you desolate and an object of scorn among the nations around you, in the sight of everyone who passes by. You will be an object of scorn and taunting, a prime example of destruction among the nations around you when I execute judgments against you in anger and raging fury. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will shoot against them deadly, destructive arrows of famine, which I will shoot to destroy you. I will prolong a famine on you and will remove the bread supply. I will send famine and wild beasts against you and they will take your children from you. Plague and bloodshed will overwhelm you and I will bring a sword against you. I, the Lord, have spoken. The Lord's message came to me, saying, Son of man, turn toward the mountains of Israel and prophesy against them. Say, mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Sovereign Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to the mountains and to the hills, to the ravines and to the valleys. I am bringing a sword against you, and I will destroy your high places. Your altars will be ruined, and your incense altars will be broken. I will throw down your slain in front of your idols. I will place the corpses of the people of Israel in front of their idols, and I will scatter your bones around your altars. In all your dwellings, the cities will be laid waste and the high places ruined, so that your altars will be laid waste and ruined. Your idols will be shattered and demolished. Your incense altars will be broken down and your works wiped out. The slain will fall among you, and then you will know that I am the Lord. But I will spare some of you. 
Some will escape the sword when you are scattered in foreign lands. Then your survivors will remember me among the nations where they are exiled. They will realize how I was crushed by their unfaithful heart that turned from me and by their eyes that lusted after their idols. They will loathe themselves because of the evil they have done and because of all their abominable practices. They will know that I am the Lord. My threats to bring this catastrophe on them were not empty. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Clap your hands, stomp your feet, and say, Ah, because of all the evil, abominable practices of the house of Israel, for they will fall by the sword, famine and pestilence. The one far away will die by pestilence. The one close by will fall by the sword. And whoever is left and has escaped, these will die by famine. I will fully vent my rage against them. Then you will know that I am the Lord when their dead lie among their idols around their altars. On every high hill and on all the mountain tops, under every green tree and every leafy oak, the places where they have offered fragrant incense to all their idols. I will stretch out my hand against them and make the land a desolate waste from the wilderness to Ribla, in all the places where they live. Then they will know that I am the Lord. And so we may see God making it very clear that his judgment is coming because the people have turned from him. They've turned from truth to lies. They've turned from life to death. And God is upset, rightly so. He's righteously angry because what they have done has led to death, not only for them, but injustice done to others. And his judgment comes on them to show that evil needs to be dealt with. Evil needs to be punished that we cannot ignore it if we're going to say we're truly loving people. And God cannot ignore evil either if he's truly going to be loving. And we see this also now in Psalm 82, a psalm in which there's a cry out for God to bring justice and to stand up for those who are being mistreated. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God stands in the assembly of El. In the midst of the gods, he renders judgment. He says, How long will you make unjust legal decisions and show favoritism to the wicked? Defend the cause of the poor and the fatherless. Vindicate the oppressed and suffering. Rescue the poor and needy. Deliver them from the power of the wicked. They neither know nor nor understand. They stumble around in the dark while all the foundations of the earth crumble. I thought, you are gods. All of you are sons of the Most High. Yet you will die like mortals. You will fall like all the other rulers. Rise up, O God, and execute judgment on the earth, for you own all the nations. And so there the psalmist cries out for God to bring justice for all the injustice that's being done by people all around him. And calling out to God is the only one who has the power truly to do that kind of work. And that leads us now to John chapter 2, where we see some of this authority put on display in Jesus in his righteous anger, and also in his generosity. And so let's read from John chapter 2. Now on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no wine left. Jesus replied, Woman, why are you saying this to me? My time has not yet come. His mother told the servants, Whatever he tells you, do it. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washing, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the water jars with water. So they filled them up to the very top. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the head steward. And they did. 
When the head steward tasted the water that had been turned to wine, not knowing where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, he called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the cheaper wine when the guests are drunk. You have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this as the first of his miraculous signs in Cana of Galilee. In this way he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And after this he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. Now the Jewish feast of the Passover is near, so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple courts those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and money changers sitting at tables. So he made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple courts with the sheep and the oxen. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold the doves, he said, Take these things away from here. Do not make my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will devour me. So then the Jewish leaders responded, saying, What sign can you show us since you are doing these things? Jesus replied, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. Then the Jewish leader said to him, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you are going to raise it up in three days? But Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body. So after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the saying that Jesus had spoken. Now while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the feast of the Passover, many people believed in his name because they saw the miraculous signs he was doing. But Jesus would not entrust him to them, himself to them because he knew all people. He did not need anyone to testify about man, for he knew what was in man. So we have in this section of John, John chapter 2, uh, Jesus showing righteous anger at the fact that people had turned the outer courts, which were to be open to all the people of all the nations to come and to pray to God and to learn about him. They turned that section of the temple courts into a marketplace. And Jesus, seeing the evil of that, the injustice of that, uh, how wrong that was, drives them physically out with a righteous anger. And yet at the same time, we see in the story of changing water into wine an incredible generosity that he didn't owe the people anything. He wasn't obligated to do any of this, but showed incredible generosity to them and at the same time did so knowing that all his generosity ultimately costs him. That Jesus knew that the only way to provide this wine, the only way to provide new life, the only way to give generously and graciously to people was for someone to pay. And ultimately, that's Jesus. And he willingly took the righteous anger, often called God's wrath, upon himself on the cross. And as he does that, Jesus is paying the price that we should have paid. And in doing so, allows us to experience the generosity, the grace, the mercy of God, so that God's justice is satisfied, that right, righteous anger has been appeased. And at the same time, we experience forgiveness, mercy, and grace. That is the amazing good news of Christianity, and that is the wonderful way that God satisfies true justice and is also a God of extraordinary, amazing love. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. 
The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You're-